0: Hey, how you doing? This is Wade with Wade for Wireless, and welcome back for another episode of Wade for Wireless with all your wireless updates, news, and information. Just sit back and relax. hey everybody how you doing welcome to wade for wireless and today let's talk about the race to 5g between fixed and mobile now for those of you who aren't in the industry that may be a little confusing but let me explain so obviously if you're looking at a race here fixed is fixed wireless so it's not going anywhere mobile you move the unit so we're not talking about a physical race okay Point number one. Two, if you're looking at speeds, fixed generally is very high speed. Mobile is generally a little lower. I'm not looking at speeds. I'm looking at which one will be the first one to the market and to be called 5G. That's specifically what I'm looking at here. And that's the race that we're all watching. So the race I'm looking at here specifically will be the first to market deployed and the first to be called 5G. Two firsts, but that's the race. The reason I bring it up is because what we've been looking at is everyone's, you know, 5G is really big, right? We're all excited for 5G. It's going to be the next system. They're going to deploy sys. They're going to deploy equipment. It's very exciting for the industry. I just want you to look at it realistically. The 5G systems that everyone's looking at is going to be very different, and this is why a lot of the carriers have made strategic moves so far. Everyone's saying 5G this, 5G that. I mean, I love saying 5G. I was uh, talking with Dean Buble about not talking. We were actually messaging back and forth on LinkedIn. We didn't actually talk about this. Say the 5G, and he was he was saying, you know, there's no 5G format yet. Technically, they can't call anything 5G, but I really think this time when they say 5G, it's going to encompass not only a format, but there's a lot of things it's going to encompass. The network, the backhaul. they're going to lump IoT into 5G, which IoT traditionally has been you know, machine to machine. It's been a separate thing. And it's been out there for a while. It's just now it's hot, sexy, and it's part of 5G. Yay, mobile, part of 5G. Yay, fixed wireless, part of 5G. But the reality is when you look at the 5G requirements, it's going to be high broadband, low latency, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they'll be put together. So here's what I'm talking about. So when they say a 5G format, chances are the fixed wireless is going to have the edge on this. And what that's one of the reasons I think that Verizon and AT&T are bringing that to market first. When we look at fixed wireless, we can go back to Verizon and AT&T. You know, they bought up a ton of, was that, 24 and 28 gigahertz spectrum. And they did that for a reason because they really want to get a type of fixed wireless. I'm sure they'll get it working working for mobile in some way, shape, or form. But the reality is they want that to be fixed wireless to bring internet to the home is the way I see it. I think that's our business case, or internet to small businesses, an ISP, internet service provider specifically a WISP, WISP, which is Wireless Internet Service Provider. That would be 5G. That's what they're going to do with a format. It's going to be easy to deploy. I would imagine something like a small cell deployment pointed at several homes, maybe in an urban area. You could hit 10, 20 houses off one spot, and that's probably what they're going to do. I, they could do it off a macro site, a tower, but they're going to look for the biggest bang for their buck because I imagine they'll want a quick payback, and it's going to be a lot of bandwidth, which means a backhaul is going to be huge, huge backhaul. So that's something to think about. That's where Fixed has the edge. Plus, it has two big boys behind it. I really think ATT and and Verizon are looking to make a bang with 5G on the fixed wireless side first. I think that's their business case. And the other reason I think that is because fiber to the home was so expensive the business case is hard to support the cost the payback just isn't there it's very competitive the cable companies usually in most markets are already ingrained. it's going to be very hard to compete with that so i think that would be a big thing i think uh it would be nice if they had a cheap wireless unit where they could just go from the pole to the house without running any wires but then you need power there's a lot of things that have to be taken up uh, that that have to be taken care of Is what i'm trying to say so you're going to want to think these things through. That's why I say in the beginning they're going to want the biggest bang for their buck. The biggest bang for their buck what that means is they're going to ha- have to get multiple homes on one unit. A point to multi-point unit is Probably what a lot of you are thinking of out there. When we say point to point, we think of microwave or broadband, you know, we think of the tight antennas, but I think here it's going to be a little broader. I see a lot of technologies in place beam forming, carrier aggregation, massive MIMO. All that's going to be in one unit, and all that is going to be required to make this happen at the bandwidth they want, along with the exciting new 5G format. Is latency gonna be low? I don't think it's a requirement. Is bandwidth gonna be high? Yes, we need massive broadband here, because if you think about it, if you're going to compete with the cable companies that already have like 10 to 50 meg, when I say 10 to 50 meg, 10 to 50 megabits per second to all these houses of bandwidth, yeah, then you're going to have to compete with that. If you want to do 10 people's homes, and you're going to do 50 megabits per second, that's 500 megabits per second. If you're going to want to compete with fiber, and let's say you want to get hundreds of megabits per second, or even a gigabit per second, you have 10 homes, that's 10 gigabit per second. So it's going to have to support that now i feel confident the radios are going to do it backhaul is a big thing oh those fiber providers anyone supplying fiber running fiber installers you're going to have a good year buddy in 2019 and 2020 2018 too possibly i hope 2018 but who knows things are moving a little slower than we all hope so i would say for the fixed mobile with at&t and verizon big edge big edge now what about t-mobile and sprint well here's what i see i haven't seen them really invest heavily In the 24 and 28 gigahertz spectrum, uh, maybe they did. I I think T-Mobile was dabbling in it. I didn't see, I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't see Sprint do anything. Maybe they did something. However, Sprint has a ton of 2.5 gigahertz spectrum. When I say a ton, I mean over 100 megahertz. It's freaking unreal. I mean, they have a lot of spectrum. They're spectrum rich. Unfortunately they're cash poor. <laughs> Without the cash it's hard to deploy, you know? That's like I'll tell you what it's like. It's like you have your brand new Porsche Cayman out there. Beautiful car. Sitting there. But you can't drive it because you can't afford the gas money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You can't afford that twenty or thirty dollars for gas after you bought this hundred and thirty thousand dollar car. I'm just saying. All right, I'll move on. So what I think T-Mobile and uh, Sprint are going to do, they're going to rely on having 5G to the mobile spectrum first. I think it just makes sense for their business models. And Sprint has a spectrum. T-Mobile has a gumption. They have John Ledger there telling them, we can do this. And I think uh, they have the 600 megahertz spectrum, but mobile is going to be quite a bit of a challenge. You're going to have to upgrade their sites. They're going to have to do it in urban areas. They're going to have to really think about the uh, the rollout. And it may not even be 5G. It just may be LTE on steroids, like 4.5G, 4.9G. Like it's a higher G. It's a bigger G than the G we had before. It's bigger than 3G. It'll be a little bigger than 4G. But the reality is LTE is still going to be the foundation for it. I don't know what the 5G format is going to be for mobile. It's probably just going to be a form of LTE, like LTE on steroids. The other thing it's going to be is a collective process of all the other things that we can put together. And I know I keep harping on this, but it's going to be massive MIMO. It's going to be beam forming. It's going to be, now, what am I Carrier aggregation, all that. And let's look at the system backwards. You can't just upgrade the radio system. You have to put a new router in that can handle, you know, 10 gigabit per second speeds. You have to put a new backhaul in, maybe more strands of fiber, whether it's dark fiber, lit fiber, whatever. So you're going to need 10 gigabit per second there as well. It's going to be an overhaul. Not an not overhaul. It's going to be an upgrade, an evolution, an evolution of the system. I do see an overhaul of the wireless system because they're going to have to replace the antennas, right? If they want to do massive MIMO, they're going to have to come up with active antenna systems because radio heads aren't going to cut it. And if you're going to have like 32 by 32, 64 by 64, 128 by 128, what that means is you're literally going to have that many elements, 32, 64, 128 in the antenna. I don't see you running coax here. You're going to run fiber to the antenna, and it's going to be an active antenna. All the uh, radio head elements are going to be inside the antenna. But how cool is that? So I know I go over this again again. That's why it's fresh in my mind. But you got an overview of the fixed wireless. It's basically going to be a point-to-multipoint system set somewhere in an urban area where it faces multiple homes. I would say it would start in the urban area, eventually suburban areas. It's going to be more of a challenge to get those speeds over that distance and that frequency and to have it overcome the weather. I'm just saying, been there, done that. I'd done 28 gig stuff, 60 gig, 70 gig. Uh, What else did I do? I did a lot of point to multi-point in the ISM band, 5.8 gigahertz, things like that. Now, the beauty of this is it's licensed. It's going to be a lot higher power. And I would say they'll probably be able to have a very clean install at the house. I hope. That's another thing fixed wireless has to overcome. You know, I didn't write about that, but the the home installation, if they're going to do homes, you got to make it look good. I would make it as easy as possible. I'm going to give you an example. Say if I take my smartphone and I want Wi-Fi at a location that has no Wi-Fi, I'm able to make my smart, and let's say we have LTE coverage. Uh, In this instance, let's say I have Verizon, T-Mobile, Sprint, AT&T, whoever I have, I can make my phone a Wi-Fi hotspot. If they can do something almost that easy and just set it in the home and make it a hotspot, life is good. In fact, if they could make like a smartphone device, but just have it be a Wi Fi hotspot with an LTE backhaul, sort of like what Sprint's doing with that magic box, let me tell you something. The idea of the magic box is really cool. And uh, I got to give Airspan kudos for uh, creating something like that, because it's just amazing that you can just put that in there in theory. I don't know how it's working. I'm sure it's working fine. I, I think that it, it really opens up new doors to what we can do. So anyways, if they can do fixed wireless where it's really easy to install in the home, bam. So that would be B-B-T-T-H. I just came up with that. Broadband to the home. You could probably just do it with one B, but... I like to B-B-T-T-H broadband to the home. If they can do that, AT&T and Verizon will be kicking some serious ass. I mean, you're going to be rolling. And that's basically what they're going to do here. And the the bands they have, like I said, 24 gigahertz, 39 gigahertz, 60 gig, 70 gig, all those ranges, all that spectrum, it's there. And that's why AT&T and Verizon went through bid after bid for all that spectrum in the 28 and the 31 gigahertz and 39 gigahertz spectrum. They went crazy to acquire it. They spent a lot of money. They're going to spend a lot more money on these deployments. But then who are they going to be competing with? You guessed it the ISPs that we all know and some of us hate, the cable companies. I'm just saying, that's where they're going to go. They're going to go directly compete head-to-head against the cable companies like they tried to do with Fios and with AT&T U-Verse. On the other hand, if Sprint and T-Mobile can get their mobile systems working, like I said uh, in my last blog, John Ledger already came out and said he's going to compete against cable companies, but I think he wants to do it on the unit, on the device itself, where people can actually watch TV on a device. And like I said, my son, the millennial, already watches TV on his device, you know, whatever it is. He doesn't even look for the cable company's box or the TV. He just plugs everything into his laptop and watches everything from there. He has no interest in watching what cable's forcing down his throat. So I'd say they got a good chance. So for the mobile overview, they just have to do an upgrade, and overhaul of the Tower sites, I went into this before, you know, they're going to put massive MIMO and all this stuff in it. They're really going to make a difference there. While if they do it right, it shouldn't overload the sites. They have to do a lot of planning. T-Mobile has that 600 megahertz spectrum. Somehow... They have to get that working good and the beauty of 600 megahertz is that it could penetrate into every home that spectrum's low enough where they could probably put their own type of magic box in a home and it would work good now i don't know if they have enough spectrum to provide that type of broadband i mean i just don't know i didn't research it i wasn't lazy i just didn't have time and i overlooked it to be honest with you t-mobile and john ledger i will give him credit he seems very driven to provide broadband to everybody i i really think that's one of his goals in life is to provide broadband to everybody i mean he's disrupted a lot of Services. Why not that one too? If he can make that work, then I would say mobile would win that war. It would be easy to deploy it. Something he already has. He would just have to upgrade and overhaul the sites that are existing, and bam, he's done. Now, if you're wondering why I compared these two, it's because it's a big point of contention in the race for 5G. What do you do first? What can we truly call 5G without lying to the public? If you're AT and T, you just call anything 5G. You don't care what the public thinks. You just want that. You want the biggest G out there. <laughs> That's what they want. I've just busted on AT&T. They haven't done that lately. It's going to matter in the way business is going to roll out as to what happens first because are they going to compete directly with the cable companies by using the fixed wireless model or or are they going to go with a mobile unit and take all the customers that they already have with their mobile devices, people already using their phones, people already using these devices and say, hey, what if we could take something like that and just give you more broadband And perhaps you could use that to feed your laptop and then you can just watch all the TV and whatever internet TV you wanna watch on your laptop. Then you choose what you wanna watch. We're just providing a massive pipe no matter where you are. And basically what they're gonna say, and this is what I see with T-Mobile and Sprint models, buy more devices off us. Let us be your sole supplier of not only your mobile device, but your internet device at your home. We can do that. We can be your ISP. We can be your mobile provider with one low cost, one bill, whatever, however you want to pay us monthly. I see that as their model. Now, at and and Verizon have similar models, but with the fixed wireless model, you're going to need a separate radio device that probably won't be compatible with the mobile devices, but maybe it will. Maybe at and and Verizon have bigger plans than I know of. I just haven't seen it yet. Could just be a new radio head. I don't know. It'd be good for the tower companies if they did, because I imagine that would be new antennas, new equipment on the tower. But I really see them rolling it out as a small cell type scenario first, whether it's a small cell or a mini macro. That just makes more sense to me. Let's review the pros and cons. The pros for the fixed wireless, new revenue streams, right? Even for the mobility, it would be an expansion of the revenue stream you already have. But for the for fixed wireless, what you're really going to need is to connect five or 10 homes, right away so again the pros of fixed wireless are to cut the costs of running fiber to the home now you just can do wireless you can connect five to 20 homes to one site off one radio in theory and uh they'll save a lot of money so the pros of fixed are pretty obvious the way i see it the cons for fixed wireless are going to be that they have to actually is that they actually have to run new equipment. They're actually going to have to install new systems and everything out there, Uh, whatever it is, 24, 28 gigahertz, 39 gigahertz, 38, whatever they're putting out there. It's going to require new equipment. New equipment means new fiber, means new capex, very high capex. Then they have to provide a business model that just makes sense. I don't know if they'll try to do it off existing sites or whether they'll find new poles. I really don't know what the plan is going to be, but that's a big con because that's a lot of capex, and it's ongoing uh, monthly expenditure, which is OPEX. So the cons are... It's a lot of equipment. It's new equipment. It may take, you know, more uh, time to figure out. It's a new business model. They're probably going to roll it into like their Fios or UVerse, whatever system they, I mean, whatever company they have that already does fiber to the home. So that's a pro and a con. The the pros of it being new equipment is that it's new equipment. You know, it's pretty exciting. It's probably going to be kick-ass and it'll be a brand new deployment and they won't have live customers on it. Uh, that doesn't sound so important. When I say live customers, let's say if they have four or five customers on it, you can work out a lot of bugs in a live environment, with five or 10 customers. So let's go over the mobile pros and cons. For mobility, you know, for one, they get to brag, it's 5G, which is really cool. Uh, the other thing is for the pros, it's going to be awesome broadband. It's going to be to every device they already have. But when I say it like that, the reality is that's not necessarily a pro. They have to overhaul their existing sites. They have to upgrade the backhaul. They have to add more fiber. They may have to add more fiber between what's indoors and the radio heads or the active antenna, whatever they put out. Now they're going to be maintaining a 3G, a 4G, and a 5G system. The more systems you maintain, the more cost you have. Again, another con. And the migration isn't just about the sites, You have to have devices out there. So as awesome as it sounds to say, hey, we have 5G. If you don't have any devices on 5G, what good is it? little side note, back when I was uh, with Flow TV, which was a part of Qualcomm, I worked for Qualcomm for a few years and I helped them with their Flow TV rollout, which was forward link only if you wonder what Flow was, but it basically was TV to the device, live TV, <laughs> not necessarily a stellar <laughs> business move, but it only lasted like four or five years. But the reality is one of the things that they screwed up on was they didn't have enough devices that had this technology in it. They only had about five devices. They didn't have many at all. Most of them were, uh, were on Verizon system. They they just didn't think that through. And what's amazing is it's Qualcomm. But I think Qualcomm, with that business model, they didn't get enough of the teams engaged from other teams. All they would have had to do was interview like the chip makers, the the phone set makers, and maybe the carriers, and see what they wanted. I get what Qualcomm was trying to do. They're opening up the new business line. They wanted to sell the business off like they did. I think, didn't they create Cricket and then sell it off for the same reason, to prove that CDMA works, something like that? Anyway, I should check my history before I say stuff like that. But when they did Flow TV, they didn't have enough devices with it on. So you turn it up, you just spent a billion dollars on this network, and uh, you're broadcasting to nobody. <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't make sense. Like when TV stations came out, they had TVs and they had to, you know, I get it, you know, chicken or the egg. You got to have broadcast in order to have a device out there. But in that case, they could have done both at the same time. It just wasn't the strategy was really poor. So I wouldn't say strategy. I would say the execution was really poor. And I think with this mobility thing, they can upgrade to 5G and still have it backwards compatible. That's very important. But the other thing is they have to have the devices rolling out right around at the same time so the business model makes sense, so they're making money. That's the key. Now, the pro of this, as they upgrade the sites, they're going to have a lot more bandwidth. If they put massive MIMO in, that's very conducive to supporting LTE the way it is now for the existing devices. So they're going to see throughput go up immediately. So that's a pro. The Like I said, the con is you got to spend a lot of money on upgrades, upgrade to routers, upgrade to fiber, upgrade a lot of equipment, um, just things like that. But before they can truly call it 5G, they have to get new devices out there that are truly 5G devices. That's a con. It's just going to take time. They're going to have to start sunsetting the 3G, which most of them already have, except maybe a Sprint. I think all the other carriers already have plans in place. But they really have to do that. So then we have to look at who wins. Who's going to win the battle? So when you look at on one side, you have AT&T and Verizon Wireless. They're really doing the fixed wireless. They're going all in on that. On the other side, you have Sprint and T-Mobile that are, are, at least from what I see, are just going to upgrade their existing systems to 5G and massive broadband. But the whole key is, is to get broadband to the masses, broadband to the home, massive broadband. It's just how are you going to deliver it? What is available and how can it be done? So I got to tell you. When I look at this in the past, Verizon and T-Mobile, I'm sorry, Verizon and AT&T have been very successful at rolling out systems. They've done a very good job. They're very consistent. They have deep pockets. And if they see a need and they can make it work, they'll make it work. I'm not saying they won't shut something down if it's an utter failure, but I think they already saw the fiber to the home model work and how people love it. So I think they're going to expand off that. I got to tell you, I think the fixed wireless is going to be a big success where they have it until mobility reaches those speeds. And again, like I said, Sprint has a ton of spectrum. If they can roll with that spectrum, they could easily win the battle if they were able to invest. But they don't make money. Who knows what they're going to do? Uh, It's up to SoftBank and it's up to Sprint. I think the big winner is going to be mobility, mostly because mobility is already out there, a lot of devices, and it's quick to show off what you can do. So that's what I would say. But the real winners are going to be the fiber companies like Zayo and Xternet, <laughs> because they're going to be providing fiber for all of this. They're just going to be, and maybe uh, maybe the fiber jumper providers, because they're going to be providing fiber for all of this work, you know, like say a ComScope, They're the big winners. Uh, the deployment teams, you guys will get plenty of work for the next three or four years, just putting this stuff out there. And when I say deployment, I'm not just talking about wireless. All you fiber deployment teams, too. All you guys doing testing because it's it's going to ramp up. It's going to take some time to get out there. Uh, the asset owners, like the tower owners and people like that, I don't know. I think the equipment's getting smaller and lighter. It's going to be hard for you to justify those fees. But you have everyone locked in on, what, a 10- or a 20-year lease anyway. I'd say you're doing good. Site acquisition teams You guys will win because you guys will make money no matter what, whether it's a pole, whether it's a tower, whether it's a rooftop, you guys are going to win. So as you can see, what I was coming up to, it was less of a race between fixed and mobility than it was between all the suppliers that are going to win. And that's how I look at it, especially for investors. The investors are going to look at who's going to make more money and who's going to lose money. Now, I'm not saying equipment's going to go away at the site, but I am going to say one thing to think about beyond 2022 is that the equipment is going to start being upgraded more through software and firmware upgrades. I think the bandwidth capacity will be close to being met. I think coverage will be an issue. So the rural areas, you know what? Just look at 4G. Look at how 4G rolled out. Once coverage has been met for the urban and suburban areas, They slowly rolled out the new systems in the suburban areas, in the rural areas, and just kept going that way. But they were in no hurry to do that. But now that they want to shut down the old system, now they're a little more motivated, and it's going to take time. One other thing that's really helped with the uh, public safety side of it is that they were pushing to get areas covered that were never covered before. That sounds so easy. Hey, let's get the middle of Yellowstone Park covered. So go to Yellowstone Park and say, hey, we want to put a tower up in the middle of uh, out here in the middle of nowhere and take away from the beauty of this landscape. I think you'll get a big resounding no or get creative or you'd better have a kick ass stealth site that can, we can put out here, which I'm sure they can. Then you got to worry about power. How you getting power out there? You got to worry about backhaul. How are you getting backhaul out there? You're going to have a satellite site. You're going to have is, is solar really going to work in Yellowstone? I don't think so. I mean, it worked great when the sun's shining and you have plenty of time, but in those long winters, when you have cloudy days for six days straight, and you do, not going to work so well. But that's another blog, that's another podcast, and that's something else. I think in the long run, they're both going to win because the revenue streams for both those models are just going to be freaking awesome. I mean, AT&T and Verizon figured out how to make money competing with the cable company by taking fiber to the home. You know, they compete head-to-head. I think the monopolies are going to go away for the cable companies. I think the cable companies will eventually be losers in the uh, home delivery business. That's why I see Comcast, you know, they bought NBC for a reason. They wanted new revenue streams and they're good at it. I mean, I think they've really done a good job. All right, everyone. I talked about this long enough for one day. Be smart, be safe, and pay attention. See ya! the Wireless Deployment Handbook out there. That's right, at wadeforwireless.com. You have the Wireless Deployment Handbook that is on sale now, and now it's available in paperback on Amazon. Can you believe it? Wireless Deployment Handbook, available on Amazon in Kindle version and paperback, and also available in PDF. Go ahead, check it out, wadeforwireless.com. Hey, folks, it's available, the 5G Deployment Plan. That's right, the 5G Deployment Plan Handbook. I have the ebook out there for you, an Amazon paperback, a full color eight and a half by eleven inch version, the Amazon Kindle version, the full PDF on Selfie, and the full PDF on Gumroad. It's all about the 5G deployment. Go to Wade4Wireless.com and look for 5G deployment plan. It's in there, just for you. I'd like to take a moment to thank my sponsors, Tower Safety and Instruction, found at TowerSafety.com. I'd like to thank them for all the good work they do in training. They're an accredited school out in Phoenix, Arizona, but they serve people nationwide for all your tower training, safety and drone training needs.